In this, the first of an inspirational two-part episode, I talk to creatrix coach and mentor, Christian Whitecloud. Christian explains how she first uncovered magic as a creative force through following her intuition and how crucial intuition is in the alchemical process of creating what we love. We discuss the purpose of our egoic identity and how knowing that we are the creators of our reality gives us the power to change it. Please join me as we look at life through a different lens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Perception Podcast with me, your host, Caroline Partridge. And um, today I am incredibly lucky to have the amazing Christian White Cloud uh, as a guest. Hello, Christian. Hi. Hi. Um, Now, um, I know Christian through uh, a... I suppose, a self-development modality that um, I have studied. And also as a coach, she's coached me in uh, the work that she does. And um, so Christian, Christian Whitecloud is passionate about opening women to deeper worlds of their innate power and creative potential. She has dedicated almost 30 years to living alchemy, including intuition as a guiding force in life and the practical tools of manifestation, or she likes to simply refer to it magic. It's her passion and purpose to serve women in shining their unique magic to know themselves as a powerful creatrix in this lifetime. Originally a small town girl from Australia and having graduated from over 20 years of parenting and marriage, her current playground is Los Angeles where she leads women's programs and exotic retreats around the world. Through my deep exploration of alchemy and following the whispers of my own heart, I've come to know the profound truth that if it exists in your heart, there is a place for it in the world. The deeper daring brings greater reward than we can possibly imagine. I want to have it all. I want you to have it all because you can. Thanks, Christian. Hello. Hello, hello, and welcome. Hi, Caroline. It's lovely to be here with you. It's really fantastic. I've it's really fantastic to have you here because I have been looking forward to talking to you um, about your amazing work and and what you do and the magic, because it is magic that you create. Um, and I've experienced it in my life in terms of in terms of I suppose seeking and uh, self-discovery and finding answers and finding answers in really unexpected places um, and understanding that planning, <laughs> you know, it's planning is not part of this. You you kind of have to uh, sort of go with the flow. So um, I think where I'd like to start is, I suppose, at the beginning where and how you first got into this into this work into this uh it's not really work though is it i suppose how, how you your, your first experience of magic i suppose i should uh maybe put it that way yes sure caroline um, i would love to share that with you um many years ago many many moons 
way back and say, oh, it's been almost 30 years uh, that I was introduced to magic. And of course, it happened very magically because how else could you be introduced to magic but but Mm. through magic? And I say, as as my bio says, I'm a small-town girl from Australia and I was 19 at the time and it was the day I got my driver's licence. So it was like my first day of sort of freedom I and I was I was visiting my parents and I took their car out to a small beach town to celebrate you know my my getting my driver's license and there was a small crystal store in this beach town and they had a flyer in the window because it's going back before social media in the days mm-hmm. of flyers in windows and there was a, a a flyer for an intuition workshop and I just felt very strongly that I needed to go. I'd never been to a workshop before, complete workshop virgin, and signed up for for this intuition workshop. And and when the day came, I arrived and saw that it was being facilitated by a man that I'd actually seen at at a cafe about two months before. And we hadn't spoken, but you know when you kind of feel a vibe from somebody in a place. Mm. Mm. And I felt that with him. And so anyway, here he was. He was, and the, he's the facilitator of the intuition workshop. And um, that became a monumental turning point in my life. You know, I went on to marry him, and to wow. have children, have family. And it took me into this whole world of intuition, of alchemy, of of magic, of, you know, this concept of being the creative force in your own life and Mm -hmm. being able to use, you know, tools, um, alchemic tools to to create lives that we truly love. So so that was where it all began, was was really just following my own intuition um, along with the synchronicities of life bringing things together magically. Mm. Well, you took action, didn't you? It was that you had a gut feeling and then and followed your intuition and took action. And, um, and I think that's one of the things, isn't it, that we're, we're, we're at, in modern life, we kind of ignore our gut don't we we kind of ignore that voice that says actually don't do that or go for it really just go for it because because of all these things that we're all the the way we're conditioned I mean I've talked about this on on um other episodes but the way that we're conditioned to believe that we're powerless individuals and that things happen to us and we are kind of just buffeted by, you know, we 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 don't really have any say. We are, uh, you know, we can make some certain choices, but in the in the greater spectrum of things, we are powerless. That's I think that's a perception that a lot of people have. Or we are at the mercy of somebody else's uh, of somebody else's. Uh, decisions about our lives you know um but but the intuition that you talk about and the work that we've done is very much the opposite of that isn't it it's it's 
a kind of a really a really self motivating could you well you you can explain it better than i can but the but the whole premise of this of the of the magical intuition work i mean life life is actually presenting you with opportunities all the time mm. we just don't see them you know we don't we're not um i should say we are programmed to pay attention to a very small percentage of what is actually put in front of us. You know, and it's through our conditioning that we have this very small window of what we pay attention to in our life. But to live magically, to live intuitively, it's when we start to be able to pay attention to the bigger, the broader scope of life and what it's placing actually right in front of us that you would tend to say no to because we look for uh, certainty. We want to, as humans, we want to be able to justify our decisions. But what will justify a decision other than something that you've done before? Because if you're following intuition, it takes you outside of your perception, you know, mm. your, your perception of life, of what life's about, of who you are. So say it's a very small container and intuition will take you beyond that, you see. So it's very easy for us, us to rationally discount anything outside of our box. Mm. Mm. Well, that's a lot to do with, I suppose, safety isn't it because there's quite a lot of bravery uh i suppose if that's the right word that is involved in saying actually i'm going to step outside of this box i don't i i i relinquish the need to know what is going to happen i just need to take action and whatever happens happens but i have this vision of what i want to happen but I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to manufacture it by by doing things because I think that's one of the things, isn't it? It's just we in we try so hard to stay safe and to know outcomes. What's well, about know. sense of things, you know? Because what you have to appreciate is that we all. In our identity, you know, we all have a very unique identity based on our personal conditioning, our childhood experiences, the beliefs that we've formed around that, and that that identity is then what gives you a sense of orientation mm-hmm. and what then makes you feel like your life is making sense. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sense of everything as human beings. We want to know the why. We want to know the how. We want to know all the answers about everything. And so it becomes, life becomes about making sense. Is this a good investment? Is that a bad investment? Is this a good relationship? Is it a bad relationship? We just want to make sense of everything. And in making sense of things, we actually bind bind ourselves to our own identity so say which is very small it's a very small um window of possibility 
for what you can create in your life if you're bound by things having to make sense. And I'm sure all of us can relate to a time or a moment in our lives when something happened that was outside of that box, that was out, it didn't make sense to us, but it led us to something beautiful. Mm. And Mm. and so a lot of living magically, living intuitively comes down to allowing yourself to go outside of what just makes rational sense to you. You know, it's there's a there's a deeper calling of actually the heart in that. And this is really like mind mind or heart um, orientate being orientated by mind or heart. You know, say, and then the mind will always want to make sense of things, whereas the heart wants to invest in things that it loves. It doesn't care if it makes sense or not. It just gets pulled by the desire, by what we love. And say in our society, that's not that then feels risky to us because the heart doesn't always make sense. No. Well, well, this is it, isn't it? When you were talking there, I just thought it really is when you say it's either the mind or the heart, it when we follow our mind, it really, for whatever reasoning, for whatever our conditioning says, which is usually uh, you can't be successful doing what you love. Um, and it's and it's almost this suppression of our creative nature, isn't it? We're kind of sorry, you were it going is. To say. Say, and I, I really want to specify because when I use the word mind, it's quite general. And mm. the aspect of mind that I'm talking particularly about is our ego, I mean, yeah. in, our, in our egoic mind, because the mind can be used for wonderful things. It can be mm. used for imagination, which is a big part of creativity and going outside of the box. But so when I talk about the mind, you know, these two orientations, there's an egoic orientation, which is that, um, you know, it's our identity, our beliefs, our um, unconscious conditioning that drives us. So, or, you know, the heart of us, which is what we love. It's our true nature. It's what we came here to create. It's what's natural within us that's seeking expression. So that's, I just want to clarify. Mm. Mm. And why do you think, and so this is a massive question. Uh (laughs) It's a biggie. So why do you think then that there are so many people that are living in their egoic mind as opposed to really going for what they love? What's the, what is the, uh, I suppose, the, the common factor? The common factor? I mean, it is a big question. Um, I mean, because there are lots of common factors. I mean, I mean, I suppose there are yeah. lots of factors, but... I mean, look, having an identity is part of the human experience. You can't be here without something that gives you a sense of separation. So if you look at... What's the what's the ego designed to do? Because it's not just a thing that we have that's just there for the hell of it. It's, it has a very specific purpose, and its purpose is to give you an individual human experience, which is what we all came here to have. Mm. 
And so you have to appreciate the enormity of the way that it gives you that experience, that it gives you that experience through your whole sense of limitation in having a human experience, in you and I being separate, in me being separate from the computer, being separate from the trees. You know, we the the ego gives us that sense of I'm this, this is my body, this is me, and I am separate from everything else. If you didn't have an ego, then you wouldn't have that sense of separation. So it expresses itself to you very convincingly through your thoughts, through your feelings, through everything that tells you that you're separate. And and so we're all bound by that same egoic force and we're not taught that we're not our thoughts, that we're actually not our feelings, that, mm. that those are expressions of our unconscious that are reinforcing this sense of separation that we have, the mm. I don't belongs or the I'm powerless or the I'm not capable or um, there's a right way to do things and I don't know what it is. Like whatever our version is, maybe I can't trust myself, the world, those deep, deep messages that we have in our unconscious are, are continually reinforcing that sense of separation. As I say, we're not taught that there's actually more to us, that that is just the tiniest fraction of who we are and that we can actually come home to the magic, you know, the fullness mm. of our true nature, that we are powerful creative beings. You know, and so when you say why is that, it's just, it's just part of the deal. It's part <laughs> yeah. I've been here. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the question is, is, you know, more like, well, what, you know, why don't we have more available for people to come to understand that aspect of themselves and to be able to then live from their actual fullness, their their completeness, the part of them that's not separate, because that is what puts us in the magic. Mm. That puts us in the magic. Well, we're so deeply entrenched, though, aren't we, by, I suppose, by habit, habitual thoughts um, and and habitual behaviours that really, that create, that, that, that form this kind of prison around us that that we kind of say, well, this is who I am. Without this, you know, without this, who am I? And it's actually that we're living a lie (laughs) that that isn't, as you say, that isn't who we are. Those those unconscious desires manifest themselves in lots of dysfunctional ways. Um, But it takes a lot to be able, I think, to, 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 to finally stand up and say, hang on a minute, these these behaviours are dysfunctional and they're not me. And that's the first step really, isn't it? I think because with, with the women who come and see you, well, you've coached men obviously as well, but at the, at your, 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 um, 
your focus is women. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the women when the women who come and see you, what their motivations are, where they're coming from, what is going on in life that is, I don't want to say broken, but missing. Because I know when I started self-development work, there was a, there was a deep sense of dissatisfaction, actually. I felt, I thought, well, I can do this, I could do X, I could do Y, I could do Z, but there's certain things that I that I don't have that I'd really like. They're not material things. Um, and I just felt dissatisfied. So I started to sort of look inside. And then, and then, whoa, <laughs> what a box. <laughs> the- wow, woman. <laughs> yeah, whoa. Then, well, you know, that then that then that opens a whole kind of can of worms and you go, oh my God. And that's when it really starts. Then that's when the I suppose the healing begins. But yeah. So the so the women that come and see you, are they uh, what kind of what kind of state are they in? What kind of what are they what are they is is there a common thread? I I would say that a common thread because I work with women of all different ages, mm. different cultures, mm. in very you know vastly different lives. But I'd say one of the most common denominators is that they they want more. They mm. know there's more but they don't know how to get there or what that more even looks like or they've touched on the more and, you know, they're afraid of the more you know, because there's that, that's the element we, we, you know, just to circle back, that sense of that there's more, that's what's going to take you outside of the box that we make for ourselves. Mm. It's like within each of us, there's a Pandora's box of amazing gifts, qualities, talents, expressions. You know, we are so multidimensional. But in conventional life, we make ourselves very one-dimensional. And and so when women are coming to, um, to work with me, they have things that they that they desire that they want to create that they're longing for that they feel you know a richness there's more out there that they want and um you know i don't work with people's problems i'll just be really mm. clear you know because i don't i don't fix people in my work and so that's a really important thing to distinguish is that I, I work with women to create, mm. use their creative nature to, and what's most natural in them to create the life that really reflects what's in their heart. And so that's a big component because you can go, yes, we feel this dissatisfaction, mm. But it puts you in a very different paradigm if you're trying to fix something or if mm-hmm. you're looking to create more of what you love. Mm-hmm. And we tend to want to focus and um, we get pulled onto our problems, what we believe is wrong, what needs fixing. You know, egoically, we're all about trying to fix ourselves. 
And, and again, you know, this is where it comes back to um, that it's actually about creating, you know, mm. and, and supporting women in sw- making that switch from looking to fix themselves to actually getting lost in their creative potential. And that may be art. You know, people go, what's what's creative potential and what's creative? Mm-hmm. And they think that creativity must be, you know, painting or drawing or some kind of art, but it's not. It's your life. Mm-hmm. It's creating your life and filling your life with all of that magic that is inside of you. And, and so that's really, you know, what, you know, when women come to me, they're looking to create. Because mm. we're creating every day, aren't we, really? We're creating, but it's, but it's what are you creating in favour of? Are you exactly. creating uh, uh, something, a future in favour of your higher self and in favour of your genius? Or are you creating something that is, that the focus is, fixing that the focus is your ego the focus is you know something that will lead you back to back to the safety of the way you've always done things I suppose yeah you'd be surprised if you because on the waking level of our awareness you know we the things that we're going for in our lives um, can seem very justifiable Mm. But when you scratch the surface a little bit, you're often going to find that what people want in their lives is compensating for something they think that they lack. Mm. That I would say, you know, Neil Donald Walsh has a great saying that 98% of human activity is a waste of time. And I'm not sure if those are the exact words, but but the 98% of, of human activity being a waste of time. And that can sound like far-fetched, but say when you scratch the surface a little bit and you start to appreciate that what people think they want in their lives is usually a compensation for something they think they lack rather than, say, something that they truly, truly love. You know, and you can, you can start to, um, you know, make greater choices because to go back what you said about us creating all the time, we are. We're making choices all the time that are either in favour of our fulfilling our egoic tendencies or we can make choices that are fulfilling our, our heart desires and, and what we would love in our lives. And, and essentially it comes down to that, that, that the choices we're making, they're either serving you in one of those two orientations. And it takes self-awareness. You, know, you go, okay, so there's these two orientations, but so what are we, how do we know? And that's where this real journey of self-awareness comes in, is that we, we have to start to know ourselves at what is actually driving us. And you know, this is the perception podcast, right? Mm. We start being able to see what our perceptions actually are. Mm. 
you know, what are we acting in favour of? You know, who am I and who am I not? What am I giving energy to that has actually got nothing to do with, with what I really came here for? Mm. It's it's so, God, it's so massive though, isn't it though, Christian? Because people, people, this is the question, what did I come here for? And I think that is is something that's so far removed that people don't even really want to look at that. We jump onto this this track of oh well, this is what I'm supposed to do at this age. I go to uh, I go to school and I do this and I do that and then I go to university or not and then I get work and then I meet somebody and then we have kids and then there's a house and then there's this and that and then before you know it, that's life. <laughs> you know, life is kind of gone and you're kind of like, well, what did I do? Who am I? What did I want to do? And I think that's the question that holds a lot of uh, fear, really, in people's hearts. It's like, well, what if there's, there's this whole thing about what if I fail? And that's that's a really big thing. Fear stops people in their tracks from going for what they love. This this idea, because it's also fed to us. Well, mm, do you want to do that? Do you think you'll succeed? <laughs> you know, and it's like, yes, I bloody am going to do it. You know, but um, and again, it's the ego, but it's that that. It, but that's been we've had that through the input of lots of through our family through our peers through uh, through institutions you know through school through university through work institutions that will these places succeed because there are rules and and it's just so hard to navigate that isn't it well i mean it's true we do have a lot of societal, familial, cultural um, messaging impressing on us all the time. But what's important to take it back to is that ultimately we can be having those inputs, but it's us who makes decisions about mm. inputs. Some people really thrive in education, mm. you know, education system. A lot of people don't. You know, mm. most people don't, I would say. But but there's but it all depends on what we decide about those inputs and where we position ourselves in relation to those inputs. And and I think that's really important to you know bring it back to because we are the creative force in our own life. So it's easy to blame, you know, and to start giving power to the things that are outside of us. But ultimately it does come down to us and the decisions that we made. You know, a, a way that you can look at this, if you think of siblings within the same family, living in the same dynamic with mum and dad, but having vastly different experiences, and coming out with vastly different personalities and, and different decisions that they made about what was happening in the home growing up and their experiences. And so, you know, you can put any number of people in the same situation, but everybody will take away something different. 
And and this is where, you know, because it, it is about our perception. And and so what's driving your perceptions? You know, mm-hmm. what are you because it's deeper than your perceptions, right? Your perception of something is because it's it's mirrored off your own beliefs. Yeah. Right? You you it's like the input information's coming in. The ego is making sense of it and going, oh, well, this is what it then means about me, about my ability to be in the world, about others. And so, you know, it's all being reflected back to us through our own sense of identity. And so as long as we're working within that frame of identity, then that's what you're going to experience and say, and, and that is the scope of most people's human experience. Mm. But it's not what we're limited to. It's not our potential. It's not a reflection of our creative power. It's actually just kind of bumbling through life unconsciously because we're not aware that there is something else. You know, yes. when there's this whole other world that is available for us, but it does take us having to go inside and start to sort through our own beliefs, our own inner workings, our own sense of identity. You know, it's like, like awareness is really the first key for that. Yeah, well, this I think this this is the important thing is being aware that actually we are, we're born, we're perfect and we're whole and we're complete um but as we grow <laughs> we're told that we're incomplete and that we have to find things to complete us and that we are powerless and i think that's the major thing that a lot of people have trouble with rationalizing or accepting or whatever it's that actually we are so incredibly powerful we can decide whatever happens in our life it's down it it really is down to us our focus creates our reality and i think that is something that is a really difficult um uh it's something that's really difficult for for people to grasp the concept was the word I was struggling to. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a really difficult concept for people to to really fully grasp that actually we are the creators of our reality and we can create whatever reality we want because we're always looking for that external thing to uh, validate us, aren't we? We're always looking for something that is that is that should come to our rescue people and then we have behaviors that you know our ego creates behaviors that uh uh solidify that belief do you think i was it's funny i was actually thinking about misbehaviors just this morning <clears throat> you know people's misbehaviors um and we all have them you know we mm. all have i mean a misbehavior can be neglecting your own needs uh, it can be can be very overt misbehaviors like addictions and, um, you know, stealing or, you know, that kind of thing. But misbehaviors can be very subtle. And misbehaviors are 
developed. You know, we develop misbehaviors um, because we are actually trying to avoid something about ourselves, like in our own wholeness. You'll, you, you'll be able to see if you trace back somebody's misbehavior, it'll come from something they decided about themselves that wasn't viable, mm. that wasn't good. Like, for example, somebody who won't meet their own needs. Perhaps they their misbehavior is they deny their own needs and they focus on other people's, meeting other people's needs, which is actually a very common one amongst women. Mm. Um, and, and if you look back, you know, you'll be able to see that there's a point in their development as a child when that was an important part, it's like a survival mechanism where they got the message that life was about if they they didn't put other people's needs first then they didn't get what they wanted you know they didn't have a chance of getting what they wanted and so you'll find that that misbehaviors any misbehavior that we have comes back to something that we don't believe is viable within ourselves an aspect mm. of ourselves um yeah, I mean, I, I, in my own journey, you know, I've definitely explored a lot of that and, you know, aspects of myself that I was wounded in relation to as a child and then, you know, it's like we close the door on parts of ourselves mm-hmm. and, and then part of this journey is coming back to that wholeness because you will find that, the thing that a person denies about themselves, resists about themselves, if there's a quality or a trait that you have about yourself that you don't believe is viable, you will find that that trait is actually a beautiful gift. Mm. That trait is something that's like treasure to you in your life because we only ever get separated from the things that are deeply inherent and natural in us. I mean, you you can't wound somebody in relation to something that they're not connected to inherently. Mm. Mm. And, and our misbehaviours develop because there's an aspect of ourself that is actually very natural, that is very vital to our true nature, that um, it's an expression, it's something we've come here to embody. And and so misbehaviors are, are just, you know, it's like a wound in relation to an aspect of ourselves that's actually holding a lot of power. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah, well, well, the wound, when you were talking there, I did think to myself, I thought, wow, there are certain, there are certain aspects of behavior that I have, found myself returning to when I felt either hurt or um or threatened in some way when I say threatened I don't mean you know an attack but when when I felt uh unsure unsafe and it's and it's almost that 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 it's that poking into the into the wound then creates that response, which 
is yeah returning to that and i see these behaviors repeated until i kind of go i'm stopping that <laughs> i i have to stop that behavior i see it i look at it and i kind of go well is it how is it serving me if it's not serving me then maybe i need to kind of look at why i then feel upset by why I'm triggered by that. So triggers are our teachers, yeah. Why am I triggered by that? And then look at it and then resolve and heal or do some work to look at the to to look at the um the uh, the the initiating uh incident, I suppose, that created that made me come to a decision about myself. Um yeah, it's just, it's so, God, it's so complex. <laughs> We're complex creatures, aren't we? It's life. Oh, I mean, we're multi-layered. And say, so, like, what mm. we experience on the surface level as we're going through life is just the tip of the iceberg. We are incredibly deep and multidimensional. And, and this is where, you know, self-awareness is the starting point because it gives you choice. Mm. And, and you see, people don't want to look at their misbehaviors because they believe it means something about them. Mm. You know, the wounding that a misbehavior is covering over, is coping with, think of it that way, a misbehavior mm. is designed to cope with a, with a wound. Mm. And People don't want to look at the wound because they believe that that's who they actually are. You know that that's that that's what it comes down to. That if if they open themselves up and looked inside, that those things would be true about them. And so you know, it's like just get away. You know, don't look at those things. Numb out. Um, you know, whatever your coping mechanism becomes. Mm-hmm. Like there's the misbehavior, but then it's like, you know, just not wanting to to look inside and actually see what's there. And 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 in that wound, you know, it's like dispelling like the myth, you know, the personal myth that we all have about ourselves, which again, you know, to circle back to the beginning, is that very small sense of identity that we have, but it drives. 98% of our lives a lot of the time. Solving mm. that, fixing that, coping with that, covering up for that, trying to make amends for that, you know, be better than that. And all of those things are just giving it more energy, mm. gives it more energy. And, and, you know, and that's where I would say a lot of people, um, you know, can get disheartened in life and because when we invest, you know, what you invest in grows. And and something that people don't have the awareness about is that, you know, when we're trying to fix something, we're actually giving it more energy. Mm. You remember I said about we can be working on fixing things or we can be creating. Mm. And they're two vastly different orientations. You know, when we're trying to fix ourselves, we're actually giving our subconscious the message that those things about us hold the power. 
in our lives, that they have power over us. You know, and one of the beautiful things about alchemy, about magic, about really harnessing your creative power is that when we start switching our focus and putting energy into what it is that we'd love to create, whether we feel ready or not, whether we feel like we're, we're you know, we're good enough or not or we're, we're powerful or not or we're capable or not, despite any of the inner psychological tension that can rise up when we invest in the things that we love, in the life that we truly want, in going beyond out into the wilds of, you know, our heart and, and what we love is that we put the power in that. Mm. When we put the power in that, the things that are that were problems, the things that we thought needed fixing actually lose energy. Mm. Actually start to lose energy. And so it's it's like it's something that so we're not taught and it takes will to do that. It's not like, oh, well, I can just, you know, start creating a life that I love. It's like, no, this, the, the ego is a dragon. You know, it's, it's a, in, if you look at the hero's journey, mm. it's, you know, and it's us. So we all have this dragon that we feel the heat of that fire within us. And that's really you know, the alchemist journey is turning that lead of our egoic myth into the gold of our heart and the gold of what we love. And it, it takes it takes will, it takes awareness, it takes being awake in your life and being conscious. It's mm -hmm. like using this creative force that we are and directing it consciously into the things that we would really want to choose for ourselves. I think I think that's so important, isn't it? Because when you when you do begin to choose to put your focus into what you love and uh, and to create, it gathers momentum. It really it you kind of it's it's you've taken this initial action. And as you say, and I think that's the really important thing to remember, it's removing your focus, your gaze, <laughs> you know, it's just like I'm gazing at this thing, uh, you know, and moving your gaze to something that's, that is, yeah, is something that you love. It does, it does start, things become easier and easier, don't they? They're, they're, you, you kind of notice synchronicities. People are like, oh, well, that was really, well, this happened. And, the, and it was so easy. I just thought of this thing. And then that suddenly appeared. And, and I think it, it really is because we are surrounding ourselves in the unknown and allowing ourselves to be, to be brave, I suppose, to, to move forward to as you say to 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 really it does take will because you know i've been doing this work with you and it's and it really does take will to kind of because to shift your focus back because it gets so easily distracted 
know, something may happen that will take you back to this egoic kind of focus. And you go, no, right, okay, I need to get back. I need to refocus. How do I refocus? And then the momentum starts to build again. Yeah, and it's, you know, the thing is, is that when we're, when we're in our sense of separation, when we're coming from the ego, you know, life feels really hard and we do experience that. It is, you know, we create it being hard because we're operating from an intense sense of separation from ourselves, from what we want, from other people. A lot of the time, you know, there's a lot of conflict in our life in that orientation. And when we move to a more creative, um, you know, realm and foundation, it's not that there's not conflict, but it becomes a part of the creative force. Mm. It's like creative chaos. Mm. I'm sure you would know and, and <laughs> anybody listening would relate to uh, when we're deep in creative modes. Mm. That is like a chaos that's happening. It's like mm. so it's a creative chaos that and in that creative chaos, synchronicities are happening, mm. connections are being made, and you know, we were working with an aspect that we refer to as the superconscious. So we've got the unconscious on the one hand, and then what we're looking to plug into is the superconscious, which is that part of ourselves which is still connected that you know that that gets energy from a higher source and that's why we start to experience these synchronicities and things being pulled into place and magic happening is because we're working from the part of ourselves that is connected to the greater creative spirit of mm. um consciousness you know the life force that mm. is burning through all of us it's burning through the whole of you know existence and and so that's why we get to experience these synchronicities and things and so this this being able to direct our focus with our will it's not about denying our our sense of humanness it's it's very much you know you've got to bring that in Please join Christian and I next week as we conclude this fascinating discussion about how we can bring the tools of manifestation and magic into our own lives.